Kia ora koutou katoa, welcome to the show, Showtime Balling, Balling on All Levels, New Zealand's Basketball Podcast. On this episode, very heavy, heavy hitting episode, we've got three mega brains in regards to basketball around New Zealand. Coaches are on the line to speak about the current status of the NBL in New Zealand and the impacts it has on their teams. Coaches, Tim McTamney, Zico Coronel, and Mike Fitchett, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you very much for having us. (laughs) Good to have you all, three of you guys, on this episode. As I said before, this is a great insight to speak to the nation in regards to what's the current status of the NBR. We know what it is at the moment with the postponement, but it'd be great to hear from your guys' perspective on what it is, you know, for you guys, for your team, your association. So, first off, let's do some introductions going around. Tim McTamney, we'll start with you. Yeah, how are you doing, Jordan? Um, obviously, Coach McTamney from the Manawa Two Jets. Um, been coaching in our NBL for quite a few years now. I, I think I might be the oldest in the league now, which is disappointing in many respects. But um, yeah, a bit of experience there, and I've been around a bit, and I kind of know what's going on, I guess. Uh, a bit of experience with the Junior Tall Blacks a few years ago, and with a few other NBL teams besides the Jets. But this is my third time round with these guys, and uh, yeah, we're looking to re-establish ourselves in the NBL after a couple of years out. Awesome. Thank you, Coach Tim. Let's go to Zika Coronel. This is your third time on our podcast episode. Welcome again. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Uh, obviously, the head coach of the Wellington Saints, or would have been. Um, Nick Senior was saying I might be the only coach in the Wellington Saints history never to coach a game. Um, and I'd like to congratulate the boys on the third uh, undefeated season. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and while we're on that, that I'd like to congratulate the Giants and the Jets on the same. Yeah, everyone went undefeated this year. Great so year, hell of a coaching. Yeah, great job. Well, unprecedented, you know. Um, Michael Fitchett, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, mate. Pleasure to be here and pleasure to chat to you guys. Yeah, I've, I'm uh, signed up to coach the Giants again. Uh, had my first year as a head coach last year. In the New Zealand NBL, but I've uh, had been with the uh, with the Breakers for a few years before that, and currently on staff with the Tall Blacks as well. So much younger than Tim in my coaching career, but um, but enjoying it nonetheless. <laughs> Definitely, hey, thank you very much, guys. Uh, like I said again, a massive you know knowledge bank. This is this episode is going to bring along, but um, let's get straight into it. Rewind your guys' minds back to beginning of the campaign before this all this started when you're just about to get started what were you guys looking forward to we'll start with you Fitch what was you know getting to Nelson looking to get ready and you know set yourself on the job second year as you said what was the thoughts yeah I was, I was really excited you know we got my family and I moved down here um just before New Year's and we started training the local guys um early January and we started sort of going three nights a week and it started off with scrimmage and then it by February, we were we were properly training, and the guys were doing some conditioning, and and um, we've had a little hit to the budget this year, so we weren't bringing in any out of towners. We were going to bring in imports, three imports, but the guys like Sam Dempster, Bronsonberry, Tom Ingham, um, who are kind of established, would would get even bigger role this year, and then the Nick Traith and Tyson Iolupatia, Riley Benson type kids were going to get a real shot this year. So I was really excited working with them and. And having a decent preseason, which was different to last year, and, and a and a um, a luxury not every team gets. So um, the boys were the boys were going great. They were in great shape, and and we were really looking forward to getting into it. But um, 
you know, it is what it is, and we're all, we're at where we're at, and I think everyone probably agrees that the right decision's been made, and and certainly it would have been taken out of uh, the league's hands by now anyway. So, um, just disappointed, yeah. really. So yeah, your second season as head coach um, in NBL. What was your thoughts? Um, what lessons do you learn from the season one to now the season two that you're trying to carry over? Oh, I mean, the main one is that I'm not as smart as I thought I was. <laughs> um, you know, being an assistant coach for three or four years before I took moved that next chair over. Um, you know, when you're an assistant, everyone knows this saying, you know, you make suggestions when you're an assistant and you make decisions when you're the head coach and, and just that pressure um, is different. And I certainly would have done some things X's and O's wise, but probably the main thing was was how I was teaching the game and, and conducting practices and things like that. And um, I felt I actually made some made some progress this preseason, but, um, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to keep working on that stuff in a month or two months. Nice. Um, Coach Tim, same question for you again. We'll wind your mind back to when this all started. You know, you're looking forward to the new season. <clears throat> what was your thoughts? Yeah, pretty similar to, to uh, Fitch, actually. We... We have a, a team which is essentially uh, community-based and, and we build around locals. And I guess we'd even consider uh, some Wellington players locals for us as well. We started back in October uh, and we were sort of three to four a week at that stage. Uh, we, we need a lot of work with our young guys. We've got plenty of guys under 20. Um, and even, I guess, what I would consider our more experienced players are still in the early 20s uh, and haven't played uh, much MBL at all, if at all. So, you know, we have a lot of work to do to get guys ready. Uh, we we hit it pretty early this season. Uh, got a lot of really good work done before Christmas. Uh, I think it's probably the most enjoyable preseason I've ever had. Uh, like Fitch, I've changed quite a few things about you know the way I teach. Um, not actually not a lot of things, but sort of tidied up a few areas. Um, evolved a little bit in the way I teach and as a result I think our guys were responding well and I was enjoying it that much more than I normally do uh, which is saying something because I do love the job difficult for mm. for a bunch of young guys who are ready to prove themselves um, to have that sort of opportunity taken away from them uh, and we've had to do my manager, Jason Pern, who's who's an outstanding support for me uh, and has been in particular over the last few weeks, has done a great job in, in sort of talking to our guys one-on-one and as a group as well to, you know, keep them positive, um, keep them excited about the game and explain to them that there'll be another opportunity. Uh, it's just probably not going to be in 2020. Nice. Thank you, um, um, Coach. Um, now let's go to Zico. Uh, leaving the Mighty Hawks Bay, going all the way to the powerhouse of uh, Wellington. Um, so again, shifting over there, Zico, what was um, the thoughts for you? Saints is an organisation I've been with for seven years and have a really high level of respect for the Mills family and what an amazing job they do and <clears throat> allowed me to be involved with AMBL and also have uh, organization that was really putting something together of a high quality um, with consultation from me, but not having to do the GM and the coaching role basically as I had to do with the Hawks. And that made it viable. And Jordan Mills has been just a pleasure to work with. And I think he put together an amazing roster 
uh, really high quality players and high quality people. And, you know, we were very, very excited about how good we could become. And we really had only just started. It feels like only maybe two weeks ago that I had headed down to Wellington and was very excited to see the beautiful city as you come down the Naronga Gorge and make that turn onto the highway and uh, really happy with how everything was going. And, you know, I guess like we could kind of see these rumbling storm clouds on the distance. I mean, I can remember Fitch obviously was there as well at Tall Blacks and Doc was giving a bit of a briefing on coronavirus and it, you know, didn't seem that relevant right then in mid-February. Um, you know, it, it caught up to us very quickly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like, that's probably myself, um, there, um, Zico, you know, leaving Hawke's Bay, uh, you did a great job with them um, last year, almost halfway there to getting that championship. Um, but, yeah, man, it was, um, it was definitely, yeah, for myself, yeah, you did a great job here at North Bay. Thank you very much. Sweet. Okay, then, let's go into it. Uh, the moment you guys saw COVID-19, um, did you guys really take it serious at the time when you seen this coming through? Like, was it, you know, no, it can't really be that impactful. Um, but, yeah, did you believe what was happening? Well, so have you coached them? What, what do you think? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I've got a background in statistical modelling. Um, and so for me, it was uh, watching what was happening around the world was becoming, it was becoming very apparent that it was only a matter of time before we were going to be hit by much the same. Uh, Zico and I sort of talked quite a bit and um, this was the subject of our conversation for for some time. And, you know, I'll be honest, we saw it coming uh, pretty much in its current form right now, I would suggest, I don't know, six weeks ago. So I, I wasn't a, a, a pessimist by any means, but I was certainly a realist. And um, I kind of have an understanding how these things work. So, yeah, I kind of saw it coming. And uh, I'm pretty sure Zico will be, Saying much the same thing. <laughs> okay, Zico, same thing. Is that you saw it coming a while back and saying this is the right course of direction we need to go? I don't know about six weeks ago, but um, certainly Tim and I have discussed it a lot and um, I'm sure Fitch can see it too. I think most people could see it if you just looked at the trends and the trends as they were playing out and we're very very fortunate in some ways in our country that we are behind um, we've been able to look at what was happening in Italy and kind of see that we were trending how they were in the early days and hopefully you know this course of action which we may have felt like could have happened even a day or two earlier or possibly more but hopefully we're still ahead of the curve and it makes a big, big impact because, you know, we were tracking uh, to be in a really bad situation if we if we were unwitting. Like, Italy didn't have that opportunity for the foresight and then uh, the right course of action, I mean, I think absolutely. Like, you know, it's obviously disastrous for the economy and that is a significant um, consideration, but if you did nothing, which of course some people think should be the course of action, including some nations, um, your economy is going to take a significant hit anyhow as your workers become sick and people obviously don't trade as much and uh, a lot of your a lot of your populace who would have been part of the economic buying 
die so their money just comes out of the system and i think your economy is going to take a really really big hit irrespective so given that the only thing really to do is prioritize people's health mm, nice fitch season is postponed what did it look like for, um, for your organization the association uh, moving forward to you guys how was it yeah it's an interesting <laughs> interesting situation one obviously we we haven't been in before but um you know i've been doing a little bit of work today and yesterday and the last the last few days when it when a lockdown sort of became reasonably imminent i guess probably friday you could start tell by the language of of our prime minister and 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 the health department it kind of looked pretty obvious that we were going to go to lockdown so um just been doing a little bit of planning on really what what can the guys be doing at home um you know, we've got a couple of guys, Sam Dempster, has, I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but, you know, he's dropped under 100 kilos for the first time in a few seasons and Tom Ingham's looking, you know, in tip-top shape and we've got guys that are rearing to go and, and um, it's just finding a way for those guys not to lose that. You know, we're still possibly going to have something in June. I think we probably all think that's potentially pretty unlikely, but, um, you know, we, we've got to try and keep these guys in shape. So it's just about putting a little training package together for those guys and, in some ways that keeps me sane as well and keeps me thinking basketball too. So the interesting thing will be, you know, anyone can go out there and dribble the ball around and shoot some hoops and, and work on their game, but can there be a gain in basketball IQ? Um, can there be a gain in, you know, injury prevention in these in this next month or six weeks? So um, I think that basketball IQ one, while everyone's sitting around, rather than having them on their phones gaming, or on their computers gaming, can we get them watching games? Can we get them um, breaking down film? Can we get them doing those different kind of things? And we've got a little opportunity, really, a little lab laboratory for um, coaches to go to work and, and help their players be better in that in that aspect. Yeah, so you're saying Sam Dempster, well, he's a veteran of the game and you know did a good job of getting underneath that. And they would have been so raring to go with um, – Probably with the direction that the, um, the the NBL has been going over the last couple of years, just the um, just the promotion of the game. You've probably seen it, Fitch. Um, just how um, exciting it is to kind of be in New Zealand basketball with, uh, with Sky Sport coming on. So, yeah, would you feel for some of the players who really wanted to go out there and promote themselves? Oh, 100%. You know, same with Tim's in the same boat. Zico's a little bit different with the Saints. But, you know, we've got guys that are... They're going to have they were going to have every game on sky television this year and that's um you know they're not breakers they're not bullets they're not um melbourne united players so they don't get that opportunity and for them to be able to go on the road go to palmy go to taranaki go to franklin and and be, their families be able to watch on tv um awesome opportunity and, and that's something that hasn't been around i don't know ever for every every game to be on television so um those guys were really rearing to go and, and ready to put in a good a good season, so absolutely gutted for those fellas. Um, Zico, if the effects have been felt within the Wellington Saints, what is it for you guys? I mean, for one, it meant that most of our guys haven't been able to come. Um, you know, like Brandon is trapped in Israel, Kyle's trapped in Australia, our third import you know, is kind of waiting to see what would happen with the G League because they haven't cancelled it yet, but he's effectively trapped in the States. Um, you know, Rubes got back to Auckland. Um, Finn's still in Auckland. Um, some of the guys were down 
Jordan Natai was training, Dion was back in and training, Dane was in and training. But I mean, I think on a similar scale to what Fitch is, you know, I really felt like, um, for example, where Dion's really improved as a basketball player. And, you know, we'd talked about some modifications he needed to make to his shot since the Tall Black game when he played so well in Brisbane. And his mm. tracking, you know, he already, he already had his career high for a 70 shooting better than he had done in two years at Hawks. Um, and basically the first time we did it. Um, Jordan Nata, I think we saw in the Tall Blacks game, you know, I think he was primed to have a career season. I think Finn Delaney was primed to have a career season. I think Rubes we saw in the uh, Tall Blacks game was really ready to have an amazing season. Kyle Adnan was very motivated to really keep pushing on to try to become a starting caliber point guard in the Australian NBL and could just keep on going down and down the line. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a real challenge for those players. And I think we're going to find out a lot about who's got intrinsic motivation because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. There might be even an element of grief that are they even going to be at that point, you know, where they were just roaring to go physically and, um, it may not be the same situation in 12 months' time. Or for a Brandon, you know, he's obviously the clock is ticking for him a little bit more in his career. And this is a challenge for someone when they're in their uh, mid-30s. And, um, you know, and, and so I, I feel like a lot of our guys will still be re- ready to go when the opportunity comes again. But some guys, I think, are going to need significant scaffolding and help. And it's going to be difficult to offer that when, you know, we may not have a lot of contact. Yeah, so that's like I said, no one can outrun the clock in regards of life. And that's what I think that's what you're trying to say, Zico, is that, you know, the, the clock is still ticking along. And, um, yeah, so hopefully this gets sorted. But, yeah, Tim, so what's a real, what's what's been spoken to you from the um, the actual NBL? Have they been saying, speaking to you, we've seen, like, the release on, on social media saying, you know, late May or early June. Do you feel this is going to happen or not? Oh, who can tell? I mean, we, we get much the same information you get on social media, perhaps a, a little bit before. Um, so I, we, we're kept in the loop, I guess, a bit earlier than, than the general public. But um, I don't know. I, I've got no idea. I mean, from what I've seen so far, like Fitch, I think it's unlikely that we'll we'll get on court in 2020. Um, you know, with reference to what Zeke is saying about his guys, it's – I guess the the benefit with mine, my fellas, is they've got, you know, probably 10, 15 years of basketball ahead of them. You know, they're blank canvases. So uh, for them, it's not quite the same. Um, They're obviously disappointed, but, you know, they've got plenty of time left to prove themselves in future years. Uh, It's really hard to say, Jordan. It's it's, I've got about as much idea as anyone, I guess, and we just have to wait and see. Yeah, I suppose it's just navigating through these tough times. Well, these testing times at the moment because, um, yeah, like this COVID-19 need, needs to be filtered out. And with the, the lockdown of families and people, that's probably the most paramount thing at the moment. But um, moving forward, even on impact in, in basketball in New Zealand, what does that look like? What, what, what do you feel? What do you guys feel like? We'll start with you, Fitch. What do you believe that the impact of basketball in New Zealand is going to be like? Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, I mean, my mind goes when you when you talk about that. My mind goes straight to the junior game, and the the impact on those that sort of next group coming through now. And if we look at the top of the triangle, the top of the pyramid, there, 
the New Zealand junior program has kind of been decimated by this thing. And, you know, we're, we're missing opportunities to go to world championships, Asian championships, and um, the flow and effect from that, what, what will that be? Um, will be really interesting to see, but that's hugely disappointing for those players. And then, and then obviously, you know, age group rep tournaments, high school nationals, which is, I think, undoubtedly our best, our best tournament by far on our junior um, calendar. You know, that's in October, but who knows how that's going to be affected. So I think Zico raises a really, a really good point. Like, and, and it's something I don't like to be a coach. That's a, Hey, back in my day kind of guy, because I've, Hey, I don't feel like I'm that old yet, but I am. But yeah, you um, are. Yeah, thank you. But um, you know, I was talking to Phil Jones about it last week, and and we're talking about man, these these kids these days. There I go. I've said it. These kids these days, they're not out there bouncing the ball around and going to get extra shots and doing this and that and the other thing. And a lot of basketball these days is, hey, we've got to have a trainer there. I got to have my coach there. I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to go down the street and shoot hoops. Well, now you got no option but to do it by yourself. So the point Zico made about you know that intrinsic motivation, we're going to see some kids come out of this in six weeks, and we'll walk back into gyms and rep trainings and school trainings and go, oh, well that kid's ripped. He's been doing six hundred press ups and four minutes of planks every day and shooting five thousand jumpers, and then there'll be the other kids that look the opposite. So um, I think it will be quite a revealing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, like that's for real. Like, yeah, Tim, you speak about that. Like, you're just you're the um, experienced one, I'll say, amongst this um this, this trio. Way of putting it. Um, um, <laughs> so, gener- from generation, from what have you noticed from from you know from back then to now? How's it looking? Like the the modern athlete from the traditional athlete. Well, there are certain things that have evolved considerably. The game is quite different. There's no question that the quality of the athlete and the abilities of athletes today uh, and, and even the skill sets uh, have improved. There's no question. Um, whether or not the the drive to be uh, as good as you can possibly be is there, uh, quite the same way, I'm not quite sure. Um, you know, I have reservations when I see some young players today uh, about how much they really want to be as good as they say they want to be. Um, and it comes down to what you're willing to do. Um, in saying that, there's plenty of guys who do uh, put in the effort, put in the, the work required to be to be great, and uh, they tend to be rewarded. You know, if you look at our tall black group of guys, you, you couldn't question the character of any one of them, you know, and you certainly can't question the work ethic either. Uh, they've got where they are today because of who they are as, as much as how good a player they are. Um, it's there, uh, but it's a question of with young players today whether they can do it themselves. Like Zeke said, it's got to be intrinsic. And um, an awful lot of them require people around them to be encouraging them endlessly. And uh, like I say, this is now time where we'll find out you know, who really wants it. 100%. Like um, even thinking about mentality-wise, like – we like 20 years ago to now can anyone speak about i'll throw this out there what what they felt is the difference between athletes from about 20 years ago to athletes now well the other two won't say anything because they probably weren't involved 20 years ago um but (laughs) but i think what we used to do uh 
let's say even further back than that, is that we got out and competed uh, a lot more. Uh, we played against each other a lot more. We organised our own opportunities to go out and beat each other up, and 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 literally too. Um, you know, my best mate, in fact, he's now my brother-in-law, broke my nose in the middle of a game, and it wasn't an accident. Um, I think those kinds of that kind of competing, I'm not quite sure I see it nowadays. Uh, and if a game's not organised with refs and call the right way and everyone's got the right shoes on and the ball's right and there's nets, you know, we don't see guys going out competing unless everything's spot on for them. Um, I guess to me yeah. that's the essential difference. You know, we we would quite literally play, you know, with a, with a rubbish bin pinned to a wall um, and, and we'd go with that. So it has changed in that regard. Not saying it's better or worse, uh, but it is different. There's no question of that. Nice. Coach Zico, now let's talk about who you're looking forward to going matching up against. I know you're a, a massive basketball brain in regards to, you know, you're probably picking apart, going through all the, all, all the studying of all the teams. Who are you looking forward to to match up against team-wise? Uh, really <clears throat> ourselves. That was our next opponent. Um, you know, it was about the next training we were going to have. Could Dion Prewster be better than Dion Prewster was yesterday? Um, you know, and, and so on and so on. Um, was really looking forward to seeing the depth that we had and compete against each other at practice. And I think one of the advantages that Saints has had over the years is the intensity of the practices are probably at a higher level than any other club. Um, certainly the reports you get from people who have been at different clubs and they come to Saints and they feel like these trainings are, or the scrimmage aspects are at least are more intensive. Um, and that was certainly my experience going to Hawke's Bay that, you know, that took a lot of work to teach them how to train properly um, and to try to build that intensity. And Dion, having come from Saints, was instrumental with that and him and Ethan would start going at each other and, that would kind of raise it, but um, we were trying to learn how to do those things. So, you know, I, I mean, playing the opponents, that that is neither here nor there, and that would have come later. Um, so it would have been about getting our preseason right. Nice, Fitch. I'll throw that question to you, even though you don't want to say what team you're looking at. But, you know, what other teams were you looking forward to probably matching up against? Yeah, no, a different answer to Zico. I'll, I'll, I've been here since January, so I've been sick of these guys playing each other in pre-season. <laughs> no, I think it was it's an interesting – well, it was going to be an interesting year for the league with, you know, a number of new coaches. Um, obviously, Bevo down south, um, probably the biggest name, but um, Franklin, obviously a new club, but a new coach to the league. Willie Banks coming in in Taranaki, new coach at Hawks Bay. Um, you know, those things are always interesting and, and kind of fascinating to see. I think we know Bevo pretty well, so we, we kind of can have a good estimate of what playing style he's going to have. But the other the other guys, I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have a clue. So it would have been, it would have been quite an interesting coaching challenge. So um, I, I was looking forward to seeing those guys um, and, and the style of play they brought into the league. Nice. Tim, same question to you. What are we looking forward to and who are you looking forward to matching up against? Oh, look, everyone. Uh, every game to us is a challenge. We, we don't go into many games as favourites, as you know. Uh, 
And and we're kind of like Zico in a little way in that our biggest challenge is to be better than, you know, we were the day before as a group. Uh, we don't really measure our success on on our wins and losses, if I'm really honest. You know, we measure it on how much progress we're making, how much better we can get during the course of a week, uh, and how well prepared we can be, you know, when we, when we come up against uh, every team in the league. So... Yeah, for us, it's a little bit of both. It's it's how good can we be, uh, but also we like to be very well prepared. And, and like Fitch, I was quite quite interested to see uh, what type of teams you know the Bulls were going to be and and Hawks ears um, in particular. And, and like Fitch said, we're we're pretty familiar with uh, everyone else around and have a fairly good idea what to expect. You know, when we come up against each other. Um, yeah, for us, it was more about, you know, making progress ourselves and, and finding that improvement within. Mm. Fitch, um, another question to you. Um, tall Blacks, what does this mean for you guys, uh, for, 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 uh, the Tall Blacks, the, the elite level for New Zealand? Is there any impactful things um, for them? Yeah, I mean, huge, huge impact. I think the Olympic qualifying campaign, which was going to be in June, basically take all our players out of the NBL for the month of June or Zico's players out for the month of June. Uh, June. Um, they, yeah, they don't know if that tournament's going ahead and, and the way they're talking about the Olympics in the last couple of days, then, you know, almost certainly won't go ahead. So that's a huge campaign and one where, I mean, as a player coming through Tall Blacks, those month-long trips into Europe, that was where you really, really, really tested yourself against the best in the world. And and while these Olympic qualifying windows where you play two games in a week are great and, you know, it brings the team together and gives us opportunity to play at home, um, those month-long tours are really, where you really see who can go and, and who belongs at that high stage. And, and it's an unbelievable test for our players. So if that doesn't happen, that's a huge, um, huge hole for our program. Um going forward so massive implications at that level and I know BBNZ's um, working pretty hard we had a we had a teleconference with Leonard King last week um, from us on a staff level and and they're just preparing as best they can but like all of us just working with uh, hypotheticals at the moment so it's it's difficult nice hey um before we we get out of this episode any any parting words um we will start with Zico any parting words before we get out of here I mean, I think, you know, we see the U.S. not maybe taking things particularly seriously. And I guess there's a great challenge ahead of us and whether we can really utilize this opportunity that this four weeks creates to really try to make sure that we stay on top of uh, coronavirus. And, and, you know, and lots of people are making sacrifices, whether they are primary and essential providers and they're going to be at a heightened level of risk for themselves um, and they're going to do that so that we can be safe for on a much smaller scale you know our league which obviously is very pertinent to us there's a very good chance that you know dozens of people have lost their jobs for the year and income and everyone I think's done that um, with disappointment but agreement because we see how important it is to our nation's health and it, and it's definitely paramount so hopefully all those sacrifices that we're collectively making uh 
everyone collectively takes that opportunity that that creates and they take it seriously in terms of the measures that have been asked for and let's make sure that we stay on top of it and hopefully we get to return to a state of normalcy with everyone still on board and as quickly as possible. Nice. Uh, Tim? Uh, uh, yeah, I'll echo Zico's comments there 100%, but um, I just want to sort of say something to the basketball people in New Zealand as well and that um, while it seems disappointing to not have basketball on our screens and be able to watch live games, I think we should also remember that right now um, basketball is, I'm going to say, the, the most popular sport in the country. We're in great shape in that regard. Mm-hmm. Now, if this was only affecting basketball this whole episode, then we should be worried. But every sport's going to be going back to scratch. Uh, and to be quite honest, if everyone's in the same boat, I'm going to back us. I think we're going to be well and truly the most popular sport in this country in, in a couple of years' time, and uh, we will we'll get through this. Uh, it's a great game; we all love it, and I think we'll we'll bounce back tremendously well. Yeah, hundred percent. I totally agree with that. We are kind of the, we are the the most popular sport within New Zealand, and that's without a shadow of a doubt in my mind. But Fitz, yeah, no, I agree with you, um, Zika and Tim there for sure. Um, but yeah, I just. I've done it a couple of times. I've already had a couple of coaching conversations today with different people, but, you know, I hope everyone takes the opportunity to pick up their phone and use it as a phone. Uh, talk to someone, give someone a ring, um, thank someone that helped them or, you know, ring someone that you're helping and and continue to do so while you're, while you're locked down and just make a difference in someone's life, make them feel good. Um, you don't know, you know, that people are sitting in their homes at the moment. Everyone's going through it differently, so... Just reach out to someone, make a connection, and, and keep our basketball community strong. Nice. Hey, guys, thank you very much for jumping on the episode. Hopefully, we get you guys all on again. <laughs> Seems like there's a lot of time on our hands at the moment. So, um, I'm so certainly we'll free for the next going. four weeks. <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> awesome, Thanks, guys. John. Thank you very good much. Night. Have a good thank evening. You. Well, there it is. It's full time. Thank you very much for taking your time out here with us at Showtime Balling NZ, the podcast of balling at all levels. Hope you enjoy. Before we take off, making sure that you cop our merch and make sure you help grow our brand and represent us. Yo, until next time, peace.